Bibles again to Matthew chapter 16. Wonderful chapter filled with nuggets of wisdom. And by the way, tonight, if you were thinking of skipping out, tonight we're going to attack Jericho. Joshua is finally going to lead the people as they attack one of the greatest fortresses of all time. And he's, we're going to see how we attack our impossibilities, how we should be attacking our difficult problems that we have. So that's tonight's message. We're finally up to Joshua chapter 6, and I, I hope you will avail yourself of that and be here tonight. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Let's start with verse 24, last week's message. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Last week's, last week's message, following Jesus Christ. You know, Satan has his own social distance. He wants us to be as far away from Christ as possible. Please consider that as you draw closer to God. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Whosoever is in the Bible, so many of them, whosoever will. This scripture, specifically, whosoever will save, keep his life to himself for his own sake, shall lose it. And then, whosoever will lose change, give his life away, his gifts and abilities, whosoever will do that shall find it. What a piece of scripture. This is about the importance of change in your life. This is about the importance of change or rather even the importance of repentance in our life. Many churches and many religions talk to you about a surface religion relationship without repentance. You don't have to do anything. Sometimes just come to church. Sometimes just give some money. Sometimes, and there is so much more for us to do for the Lord. Part of it is as we accept Christ, we are to, with His help, change our lives giving our sins and sinful lifestyle away. Whosoever will save or keep his life for himself, not repent or change, for his own sake shall lose it. We talk about this from 2 Corinthians 7, 9. Now rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. 
For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing, but for godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. Sorrow of the world works death. Again, this has to do with the person sitting right here, or who, who should be. This person right here gets, getting receiving Christ over and over and over again with no permanent change in their life. They just feel sorry that they've done these things. They're so sorry, but they're not sorry enough to change. And this is something that the Apostle Paul, when he, when he writes to Corinth, one of the godless, most sinful cities of the known world, some of you are sorry, but you're not sorry enough you, sorry, 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 but you don't, you're, you're not going to change your life. And that's what this is about. The last phrase there, the sorrow of the world works death. Verse 26, for what is a man profited? If he should gain all that is in the world, but lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And one of the comments that came to me, the title of the message, what's it worth? What's it worth to you, to them out there, to keep their life and to do whatever they want to do with it? Is it worth losing your soul for eternity? Maybe. Maybe to some if they understood that. I don't believe they do. What's it worth? That verse 26 again. For what is a man profited if he, should, if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I came up with four. Four things people exchange for their soul. The first one is love. Love. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Wait, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, do we want love? We want to be loved so much. We want someone to love. It's just built into our nature, built into our, our character. And we want to be loved and we're almost willing to give anything for it. And when love goes sour, oh, it's the worst pain in our hearts and in our lives. But there are, there are God's, I don't want to say rules. I will say rules for his people in that when it says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, he knows. He knows the pain and the suffering that we would go through should a believer who believes a, certain, a certain, believes a certain style of life, believes in it, marries someone who doesn't, and oh, the conflict. As I look around, we have some teenagers. I want to point out to you, be careful who you give your hearts away to. They're very, others are very good at taking your heart and stealing it and making you feel loved. 
and then exacting a price. Please be careful. Please be careful. Uh, years ago, I, I had a very large youth group, pretty large church, and we had a rule, strong rule. You've got to understand when you're dating, when you're dating, you tell them up front what your, what your style is for, for love and marriage. I mean, okay, and make sure they understand before you even go out on that first date. You say, I, I, I'm a Christian and I live by Christian standards. And I always take the presence of the Lord with me. And I point that out to you because one of the girls, very pretty, went out on a date and the date ended up at the end of a dirt road. And she said, why are we here? And he said, oh, I thought we'd try to get to know each other better. Is that all right? And she said, I don't know. Let's ask, let's ask the man in the back seat. Who's in the back seat? Well, I always take Jesus Christ with me wherever I go. Taking Jesus Christ with you wherever you go, realizing that he's always watching us, keeps us out of terrible regrets later. And teenagers, when you've got to offer up your bodies, when you've got to offer up immorality in order to have love, that's not love. You're feeding lust. You're not feeding love. Please be careful. Guard yourselves from that. Love is something we trade. We trade and sometimes it's a trade for a lifetime because we, we get into these relationships and we get pulled back. Pulled back out of the Christian life in order to please those we love. That scripture, again, 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial or Satan? What part or what part hath he that believes with Believes with an infidel, a non-believer. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord. Oh, I just wish, parents, grandparents, I wish we could get our, our youth, our children starting at a young age, to realize this body is not theirs to give away in exchange for love, to be loved. This body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives in you. It's not just youth, but trying to, tr trying to warn you. What love shall a man trade in exchange for his soul? I come back to this all the time. I was in love. I mean deeply in love, as deeply as you can be in love when you're 13 years old. 
and as deeply as you can be in love when you're 13 years old with 39 girlfriends. In the seventh grade, the big deal was to go steady. So in the seventh grade, back in the 60s, you, uh, you bought these cheap rings, I did. And by the time they turned green, I was ready to break up with them. So, so again, again, what are you willing to trade? Willing to trade for love. Four things people exchange for their soul. The second one was pleasure. Pleasure. 2 Timothy 3, 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, selfishness. This, this is in the last days. Men shall be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. In the last days, men, mankind shall be disobedient, disobedient to parents. <clears throat> unthankful, ungrateful, unholy. In the last days, mankind will be without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, meaning out of control, fierce and despisers of those that are good. In the last days, 2 Timothy 3, 4, mankind will be traitors and heady, high-minded, and they shall be lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What was that? Pleasures. Mankind will love pleasure more than they love God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Even just this week, I believe denying the power thereof, the power to have self-control. I mean, just because something feels so good, just because you can choose free will, we are to exercise the power of self-control and say no to ungodly pleasures, which are accepted in this culture. Mankind will love pleasure more than they will love God. They will have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So again, what pleasures shall a man trade in exchange for his soul? I was talking to a man several years back. He was a drug addict, and he'd run out of all his resources. Money sold everything he could. And he went to his grandma. Grandma, I'm about to die if I don't, if I don't get this, these drugs. And uh, she said, okay, I'll give you the money for your drugs if you'll go have a counsel session with Pastor Dave McClanahan. So, okay, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll go talk to Pastor Dave McClanahan. He sat in my office and he said, Pastor Dave, you have no idea how good it feels. You have no idea the pleasure it brings. Now hold on to that. I'm not promoting drugs. He says, you have no idea. It is the greatest pleasure this world has ever known. Of 
course, I ministered and tried and tried. Uh, the, un, the unsaved do not have a self-control to rely upon. The unsaved do not have uh, the abilities to say no to that kind of pleasures. And I gave him the plan of salvation, et cetera, et cetera. He went home. He got his hit off of grandma. Two weeks later, he killed himself. What kind of pleasure is that? He would still be alive today, serving, he had a family, serving his family. But he didn't have the strength, the power the, to say no, which comes from having Christ in your life and your heart. There's some things I could do. There's some things I could do that you would never know. You would never know about, but he would know. Number one. Number two, I'm trying to please him with my life. That ought to be our mantra, wanting to please him. Those that we love, we should be wanting to please them. And if we love him enough, we would want to please him. And sometimes saying no to illicit pleasure is the way to show that. Four things people exchange for their soul. The third one is, Materialism. In materialism, things, things. Colossians 3, 1. If you then are risen with Christ, if you're a born-again Christian, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Just because we can afford it doesn't mean we can. The, the disciplines of self-denial sometimes come in. But materialism, one of those things people trade for. What things shall a man trade in exchange for his soul? You know, you might be surprised to know that the poorest of people even in our church, but the poorest of people are often the ones that are closest to God. They don't have to, they don't have to worry about objects and things. All, they set their affection on things above. Oh, what a message. Setting your affection on things that are above, not on things of earth. The fourth thing people exchange for their souls. Friends. Again, 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Being so, so careful to understand, we, we're supposed to be friendly. We just can't be too friendly. We're supposed to represent Christ and love people, but we can't allow them to suck us down the drain to become like them. So often they're trying so, so hard. I, I have relatives who might even hear this now. Every time we go to their place, even now, 
I've been a, a pastor for over 40 years. Even now, they try to get me to drink alcohol to make them feel good about, about their drinking. Just try this. You'll like it, I promise. I'm sure I would like it. But I made a vow. And I don't have the right to this body to put alcohol in it. Friends, try to get you to be more like them. You don't have to become like them. The one thing you want to do is not be judgmental. That's good for you. It ain't good for me. King David wrote a psalm. I wish, I wish the youth in our church could memorize this psalm, at least verse 1 of it. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in comfort. Now you're totally relaxed with them in the seat of the scornful, the critical. Scornful, the critical. Start over. Happiest is the man, the person, that walks not in the counsel. What? I, what, what should I be doing? You know, receiving counsel from unsaved friends. The, it usually goes like this. Oh, oh, this won't hurt you. We do it all the time. Everyone's doing it. Happiest is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands. Now you're even settled down. You, you were walking, now you're standing in the way of sinners. And the way is often used as a road in the path. Now you're, you were walking and then you stopped. Nor who sits. Happiest is the man, the person who sits in the seat of the critical. And it goes on, Psalms 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall never wither. Whatever he does he will prosper. The ungodly are not so. But they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. David. David's most famous son. Who wrote the book of Proverbs. Who was that? Solomon. Solomon had a lot of sons. He had a weakness. He had a lot of sons. And he wrote the book of Proverbs, or most of it, to give them uh, some structure in their lives. And he wrote this about bad friends. Proverbs 4.14. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. What? The path 
of evil men. The wide is the road that leads to destruction. But if, if you're a hunter, narrow is the path that the big bucks walk on. Be careful. Be careful. He also wrote, Solomon also wrote in Proverbs 13, 20. He that walks with wise men, yes, shall be wise. But a companion of fools will be destroyed. And that without remedy. Bad friends wear us down. We learn to tolerate them first. We learn to tolerate and accept their sins and their behavior becomes funny to us sometimes. Remember that the new tolerance, this culture, denies that there are moral absolutes while holding to the moral absolute that there is no absolute. I hope that sinks in. I hope, I hope you, you understand that. I got that out of a book by a fellow named Mark Driscoll. I want to read it again because it's so profound. Remember that the new tolerance denies that there are moral absolutes while holding to the moral absolute that there is no absolute. The new tolerance is very intolerant to those who have moral absolutes. You cannot live by what other people think of you if you're trying to live the true Christian life. It's a button that Satan can push to tear you down, to wear you out. The only sin in this culture is to call something sin. Be careful, please. Please be careful. You have needs and desires but don't go outside of the pasture that Christ has put us into. Verse 26 again of our text. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Again, what do we trade for the Christian life? What do we trade? And right now we don't, maybe. You're here on a Sunday morning, but next week, next month, next year, you can know that I, you can know that you know that you will have temptations thrown at you. You will have temptations thrown at you, at you for love because everybody wants love. Everybody wants something to love, someone to love. You'll be judged in heaven by what you choose to love. Everybody wants pleasure. I received Christ in 1975. Shortly thereafter, whether it's right or wrong for for you to be able to drink beer or whiskey or wine or anything, because it was controversial, I made a vow to God never again to drink to drink it. I have not lost any joy or pleasure from that. 
If anything, I get pleasure from pleasing my Lord with my vow. I, I, just, I just think that I think that sometimes we put too much value on these other things and not enough on these things to please the Lord with our life. Sometimes we get caught up, and how can we help it? When we sit and watch TV for two or three or six hours a day, and every 10 minutes there's a five-minute commercial for something, every time they have that, Every time they have that jewelry commercial, life is better with K, is that what it is? I just want to run out and show my wife I love her by buying all these diamonds. Commercialism, the commercials have a way of getting to us. Please be careful. You're known to Jesus by what you value. But what's most important to you? Please be careful with the friends that you have. Jesus knew this. He knew, he knew that his, his disciples were going to have to go out and make new disciples and more disciples and more disciples who the world was going to attack for their narrowness. Oh, I've been accused of being so narrow all the time. No one in this room is happier than I am. Now that's a mindset. I have that in my head. But no one in this room is more content. And I don't participate in most of the, any of those illicit things. I'm not perfect. But I just want you to realize that you don't have to have those things in order to be happy. Again, what do we trade for our soul? Love, pleasures, stuff, friends. Anybody here went to school wanting to be unpopular? No, we all want to be popular. Our, your parents wanted you to be popular. In order to be popular, what cost is it? What is the cost? What's it worth to be popular, to be loved? What's it worth? The governing of self is part of our Christian heritage, the power to say no. Verse 27 of our text. For the Son of Man, speaking of himself, shall come in the glory of his Father, and he'll come with his angels. <clears throat> we had a rather large funeral yesterday, and thank you, especially ladies who uh, prepared the food afterwards. We had a rather large funeral, and as I, it was a three hour viewing. And as I passed through, I heard one person saying to others, well, she's an angel now. No, she's not. Our loved ones are not angels. 
Hebrews says they're better off than angels. Our loved ones were, are not angels. They might walk with the angels. They might sing with the angels. This particular person, uh, Debbie Helsold Deaf, never heard music. I was wrong. I, I thought she received her deafness in her 20s. But no, she was born with it because of some fever her mother had in pregnancy. She was born with it. She's never heard music until Friday, Thursday or Friday when she passed, she heard music. She's with the angel. She's not an angel, remembering that. Verse 27 again, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall, listen, listen church, he shall reward every man according to his works. Just want you to see it. He shall reward every man according to his works. When I was with Debbie alone in the casket yesterday, I said to her, not that she could hear me, she's not there. Maybe it was for me to, for me to hear me say, but I said, Debbie, I, in my mind, said I'm the happiest man in the world. I'd trade places with you in a second. I told her, I'd rather be in heaven than be the happiest man in this world. And I want you to think of that because materialism takes over. Pleasure and pleasurizing takes over. Oh my, oh my, please, please be careful. What would you exchange? What are your biggest and greatest needs? Satan knows how to push that button. Be careful. Let Christ be your source. He shall reward, he shall reward every man according to his works. We'll close with this again. Matthew 16, 25. Whosoever will save his life, whosoever shall keep his life to himself, shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if, a, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And again, the title of the message. What's it worth to you? As the musicians come, would you bow your heads, please? I don't know. I don't know. God knows you better than I do. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your need. If you're here today... And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make today be the day you find life. You find eternal life. Make today be the day that you once and for all finally ask Jesus Christ into your heart. If you don't know how to do that, 
I would like to pray a prayer with you where you pray it silently right there in your pew. And you would say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I know the penalty for being a sinner is that I can't go to heaven. But I know you paid my penalty on the cross. You died for me. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my heart, Lord. Wash it out white as snow. Be my Savior and be my Lord. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if anybody prayed that prayer that, that I might know, would you raise your hand very quickly? I hope this means that everyone here leaves this building having Christ, knowing they have Christ in their life. But I want to ask you, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, have you been willing to give love, get love, when you shouldn't have? When you should have said no, that should be confessed and he will forgive. Have you elevated pleasure? You live the life of Christ until there's pleasure in, involved. Then you go off the trail. Would you confess that to him? What about materialism? Is your main goal in life to get, to get, to get? Won't you live your life to give, to give? And then friends, do you have friends that drag you down? Do you have friends that wear you down, that wear you out with temptations? Will you confess that to confess that to the Lord? Confess it to him. He knows, but it's important that you say so. Lord Jesus Christ, I place these people into your hands for your safekeeping. Help us, Lord, to live our lives to please you, to live for you to obey your lordship of our life. Thank you, Lord, for being so forgiving. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Even while we were yet sinners, you died for us. What a God you are. And again, Lord, I pray for your protection upon us and upon our children your hand over us. In Jesus' name, amen.